Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. If you don't know me, my name is Brandon. Really glad that you are all here. Five years ago, two months ago, five years, two months, uh, Sarah and I walked into the fellowship hall with our five-year-old, our three-year-old, and our two ten, well, no, eight-month-olds at the time. We came in, and, and many of you were in the fellowship hall sitting there, and, and uh, we got to share with you our stories. We got to share um, our hearts. You got to drill us with questions, and we got to know each other a little bit on a Saturday. The next day, I had the privilege to stand up on this stage and do what's called a trial sermon. It's a nice way of saying a tryout. <laughs> I had to try out. And, you know, as I, was, as I was praying about what I would say that day in anticipation of it, you know, I wanted to strike the right balance. I wanted to have something to say both to any and all Christians, no matter what their background is and also something specifically for this church. Because I wanted to be able to pastor you whether or not I got to be the pastor here. Because I know that the church had been through some tough times, some pain. And so I decided to share the story of when I was a three-year-old, bebopping around in my... uh, Family's house, my dad's side of the family's house, um, walking around as a three-year-old with a piece of toast, and there was, a, there was a dog in the room, and apparently that dog wanted the toast more than me, but it got a little bit of me, and I got bit right here. There's a scar still, and I told you about the, how I remembered being in the ambulance with my dad, seeing my blood covering him and on my way to the hospital, and having to get plastic surgery on my face. Now, I know they didn't do a very good job, but hey. <laughs> I am alive, so that's good, right? As far as I remember, I had to get around 50 stitches on the inside and 50 stitches on the outside. And I pointed out a very obvious but important truth, that in order for a wound to be healed, it must be exposed before it can be healed. Because the, the doctor had to, the surgeon had to get into the wound. If, it just kept, if they kept the bandage on and didn't do anything about it, I would have bled out and died. And I pointed us to, we walked through John 4 together. The, the, the moment where Jesus came upon a Samaritan woman at, at a well. And he had a conversation with her. And he did the very same thing that surgeon did to my head. He did for her because he pointed out the wounds of her life, that she had been a, a multiple-time divorcee, she had been a serial adulterer, and that she was currently committing adultery with living with a man who wasn't her husband. And she, Jesus pointed out that wound of hers and that past of hers, not to condemn her, but to heal her. That, that all of us, we have wounds. And sometimes we try to hide them. Sometimes we try to walk around as if they're not there. 
Oftentimes, though, we sit in the agony of hearing those wounds preached to us time and time again. And I told you how Jesus pointed out that wound, opened that wound, not the condemner, but the healer, and that's the same thing that he wants to do in all of our own lives, is that he's going to point to the, the hardest things in our life, he's going to point to the moments of deep pain, and he wants to enter those things and heal it with his, only, with, with his healing touch, the only kind of healing touch that will heal us of every ailment. And I also pointed out that she had a water jar, not just a wound, that that day when this man told her everything that she had ever done, she left her water jar at the well because Jesus promised her something different, some living water, that if she drinks it, she will never have to drink again, metaphorically speaking, of course. But she left her water jar with Jesus because he healed her wound, and she went out and told a bunch of people about Jesus. And I told you um, a truth that, that I wanted to leave with you that day, whether or not you would say yes to having me come here and join the FCC family. I said this, Jesus sees you and knows you, and yet he still pursues you. He knows everything about you. And, and I hope that on the other side of five years and two months of our time together, I hope and pray that there's been some, some wounds that have been healed some church wounds that have been healed, some, some spiritual wounds that have been healed, some relational wounds that have been healed. I hope and pray that God has been working in your life. And, uh, you know, today is a lot harder of a day than that day was um, because I don't know about you, but a lot of times introductions are more fun than goodbyes, aren't they? Uh, usually goodbyes are hard. I've been through many goodbyes in my life, just as you have. Some have been expected. Some have been unexpected. Some um, made you really sad. Most of them have. There's been a few, like as Oscar Wilde once said, <laughs> some people cause happiness wherever they go, others whenever they go. <laughs> So hopefully my presence has brought happiness and you seeing me leave has not been <laughs> brought as much happiness. But, you know, some, some goodbyes bring about a little joy, but this is not one of them for me. This is a hard one. As we've um, gone through the, the last month together, um, there's a, a quote by George Elio that reminds me kind of it's just, it's just been so true. Um, he said, only in the agony of parting do we look into the depths of love. You know, it's, it's in goodbyes that we say the things that we wish we always would say. It's, uh, it's in those moments where we tell someone how we really feel. Because, you know, if it wasn't a goodbye, it would feel awkward to say something like that. And uh, I just want you to know, church, that this has not been easy for me. Um, for those of you who don't know, this is my last Sunday here. And... Um, this has been a, a casserole of emotions, as I've told people. Um, it's not been easy. I've had moments where I'm questioning the decision. I've had moments where I'm very much in the bargaining stage. I've had moments when I'm very much in the sadness stage of grief. Moments when I'm just like, is this really what we're doing? And moments where I've been just, just sad. Sad that... I won't be your pastor anymore, sad of what this 
uh, is doing in our family, sad about what it's doing for me, sad about what this is going to mean for the church, sad about um, all of it together for us all. And at the same time, I've had excitement too. And unfortunately, the excitement and the sadness seem to go hand in hand. And I know many of you shared, you're happy for where we're headed and, and what God's doing, and we are too. And, and I know God's got this. God's got the church. God's got us as a family. God's got you. That's not uh, even a doubt in my mind. But it's still sad because it's a goodbye. It's a, it's a reminder of what Alan Alda said. Uh, he said, the best thing said come last. People will talk for hours saying nothing much and then linger at the door with words that come with a rush from the heart. So what I want to do, church, is just for a little bit longer, we're going to linger at the door together. Is that okay? So I've been praying about what to, what to say to you all, and um, I think I've got something that is going to be valuable for all of us. Um, it comes from Philippians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. Um, Paul is uh, doing a, like starting his letter out just like he always does. And in Philippians chapter 1, he tells the church in Philippi um, about his adoration for them. He said in verse 3, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Because he had been with them for a time, and now he wasn't with them. And he was writing them this letter. And he says this, and it's one of my favorite verses in scripture, Philippians chapter one, verse six. It's not gonna be on the screen, but if you've got your brick and mortar Bible or your Bible on your phone, you can see it. Uh, verse six says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And uh, that's what he believed for that church in Philippi, and it's also what I believe for our church, for this church here in Bluffton. That he who began a great work in you He's going to carry it on to completion. That's true of us as a, as a church body, as a, as a community together, and that's also true for you individually. That, that Jesus didn't start a work in you to leave you alone. He started that work into you, and he's not like a lot of us and the New Year's resolutions where we get it going for six weeks, and then we just kind of linger off the, off, off the path. But he, he's going to see it all the way through. What he started, he's going to finish it. Um, you know, I... Over the last five years, we've seen people surrender to Jesus and be baptized. Over the last five years, we've seen people step into community. We've seen people, more people reading the Bible regularly. It's one of my favorite stories of hearing how you all are engaging with Scripture. Um, we've seen marriages be strengthened. We've seen ministries, new ministries be started. We've seen people young and old and in between growing in their faith. And, and that's all been really good. And I've been grateful to be a little piece of the puzzle of what God's been doing here. But here's the thing, y'all, and, and um, you know this, but none of those things are, are necessarily new here at all. This church has a, a legacy of faith, a legacy of faithfulness, and that legacy will continue on into 2024. Um, but Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, and this is really, really what I want to share with you today. <clears throat> Paul says this to them, and I pray this, or some translations say my prayer for you is this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior 
and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He says, I pray that your love would grow. Your love would grow in knowledge and every kind of discernment. That's a really interesting way of saying I wish your love would grow because I think sometimes we think of our affections and our, our relationships apart from necessarily knowledge and discernment. But, but Paul's desire for them is that they would have a robust kind of love for other people, that they are rooted in truth and yet very much expressive in grace. They're rooted in truth and expressive in mercy. They're rooted in truth and expressive in love. And that's my prayer for us today, is that all of us would find ourselves growing in that kind of love. Because all of us know, if we really think about it, we know that there are wrong kinds of love pervading our society. If you think about it, what does knowledge without love look like? What does knowledge without love look like? You know, all of us have come across some people, some followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus who knew the Bible really, really well, but they didn't love really, really well. They knew the Bible a lot. They could quote you scripture, but they didn't follow it in the way they treated you, right? We've all met those kinds of people, and, and that's the kind of thing he wants us to avoid, he, he, that's the kind of like love that, that leads to, or the knowledge without love leads to prideful arrogance. It leads to looking down on others because they just aren't at our level on knowledge. It, it looks like holding on to helpful information out of spite. Like you've got something that would be valuable for them to know, but because you just don't like them, you don't share it. It would be like uh, refusing to bother with sharing the truth because of a lack of care toward that person. And that's the kind of love or the lack of it. That's not the kind of life that Paul wants us to live or wants the church in Philippi to live. And that's not the life I want for any of you to live. That's not the life that God wants for you to live. Um, but also there's a love that, that is void of knowledge and discernment. There's, a love, there's, there's knowledge without love, but there's also love without knowledge and discernment. What does that look like? It looks like enablement. Some of us in this room are people pleasers to the depths of our core. And we will say yes to people because we don't want to say no to them, even if the no is what's best for them. We want to say yes. We want everyone to like us. We, we treat our kids that way. And so that just leads to chaos and it leads to enablement. Um, you know, the, the love without knowledge leads to a blind and mindless affection. It's what leads people to say in our day, uh, love is love. Love is love. What is love? I actually let myself go that, day, that, that time. I've done that before, but I really let it out, so I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> baby, don't hurt me, right? Don't hurt me no more. Um, but, but love is love. What is love? A lot of people believe that today love is affirming not just the person in our lives that is right in front of us, but affirming all their choices too. We, we believe that, and I, I know that not many of us believe this, but like there's, there's this idea that pervades our culture that is growing and growing among young people that if someone disagrees with you, that means they don't love you, when in fact, most of us who've been around the block a time or two have, have known that we've been on the path that we need somebody to just knock us upside the head and say, hey, no, no, that's not the right way. Amen? 
And so love with knowledge and discernment has this kind of devotion to the truth and devotion to the will of the Father, devotion to Jesus, and, and, and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit working in our lives so that we're willing to love someone well, and sometimes that means we have to tell them the truth when it's not fun to say it. Um, you know, it's what leads us love without knowledge to, like, we don't want to rock the boat because we want to maintain peace. You know, there's, there's this thing called false peace, and that's when we just avoid conflict and we, we choose to uh, just avoid it. Um, but here's the thing, y'all. Love that is rooted in the soil of knowledge and discernment in the knowledge of God, the discernment of the Holy Spirit, it will grow into a beautiful plant that bears sweet fruit. You, you know this of, of the people in your life who you want to be like them, that they have a faith that is growing, and, and whenever, wherever they go, you, you want to be around because they've got something in them that is unique, that is godly. And that's Paul's prayer for the Philippian church, and that's my prayer for you, that we would grow in that kind of love. You know, FCC, we have an opportunity, you have an opportunity to be a beacon of light and a beacon of hope to continue to be that in Wells County. I've shared with you this before, that today 56% of Wells County residents identify themselves as not religious. And I know when I first shared that statistics with, with you, um, many of you were visibly shocked because that's just not how you would think about this community. But that is what the statistics, the statistics show, that, that there are in this community um, that hasn't resulted in much good. In, in the mere 20 years, things have changed drastically. People in Wells County are at a higher risk of suffering from anxiety and depression in comparison to the rest of the country. 20% of the marriages in our community right here are experiencing stressors that lead to divorce. And, and I've told you this, and if these trends continue, more and more people in our community right here will live apart from Jesus and the abundant life he offers. And so that's why um, we must be the kind of people who have that kind of love wherever we go. That's what Jesus desires for us, is for us to be the ones who push back darkness because we follow the king of light. Amen? So that's what we're called to do. In your workplace, in your schools, um, in your neighborhood, in your home especially, all of us are called to be growing in that kind of love. Growing that kind of love in your home. Growing that kind of love with your family. But don't stop there. Y'all, what if, what if we, in this room, would, would set, a, set a standard to be hospitable in 2024? Having people in our home, uh, inviting people in, saying yes to having them be joining your circle, your sphere, um, growing this kind of love with friends, with coworkers, with those in need. Because when you love well, you'll be someone who is rooted, stable, and honorable in a chaotic, anxious And lustful world. That's what we'll be. Someone who's rooted, stable, and honorable in a chaotic, anxious, and lustful world. Philippians chapter 1, let me read that again, verse 9 through 11. I pray this, that your love will keep on growing. That's that love word in the Greek is the agape love 
That is a love as, a, as to contrast with phileo love. Phileo love is a brotherly love. It's a mutual love. It's a we love each other in a mutual kind of way. And we're in this together, arm in arm. But agape love is a sacrificial kind of love. That's the love that Jesus went to the cross with for you. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, he sacrificed himself out of love for our sake so that we could be rescued. That's the kind of love that Paul has in mind in here in Philippians chapter one. He's calling us to have that kind of love for others that we are willing to love them even if they don't love us back. And anybody else wanna admit that that's hard? That's hard. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Why does it need to grow in knowledge and discernment? Because we need to be reminded, rooted in the reality that our, our war, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers and principalities and powers of this dark age. Your battle is not against the person who's not loving you well. Your battle is against Satan and his demons. That is what we have to keep in mind, in knowledge of God and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Here's what I know. Um, we all know this, that, that growth is on the other side of discomfort. Think about it. Um, those of you who like gardening, um, it, you know, flowers or, or vegetable plants or whatever, some of you might even be growing some stuff during the winter in your home to get it ready for the spring. Um, it's true for a plant. Growth is on the other side of discomfort because it has to go from that pot and into the ground, and that means it's got to get a little bit uncomfortable and get used to that new space. Um, it's true of someone getting in shape, right? Health is on the other side of some sweat and some deep breaths. And, and a lot of us are going to step into that in the new year. It's true of changing your thoughts. Like if you want to default to the truth, then that means you have to go to war with the lies that you habitually believe. That means you've got to go to war with those, and that's hard. It's true of changing your attitude toward people and toward life. In order to grab a better attitude, you've got to take off the boxing gloves you regularly punch others or yourselves with. Like a lot of us, you know, we, we want to be more joyful, but we live life with boxing gloves on doing this. You know, or like, I wonder why I'm so unhappy. Like, put the boxing gloves off and stop punching. Like, don't, don't do bare knuckle at that, you know. But like, let them go and change your attitude. Start following Jesus more and more. It's true of growing as a follower of Jesus. It means choosing him and his ways, especially when you don't want to especially when you don't want to. Scripture says that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character. Anybody know what that produces? Hope. It produces hope. On the other side of suffering can be hope when you give Jesus your struggles. Um, I came across this back in 2017. The Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts, was the commencement speaker at his son's middle school graduation. <laughs> uh, and his speech reminds us of how growth happens. This is what he said. From time to time in the years to come, I hope you'll be treated unfairly so that you will come to know the value of justice. I hope that you will suffer betrayal because that will teach you the importance of loyalty. Kiddos, pay attention. 
Sorry to say, but I hope you will be lonely from time to time so that you don't take friends for granted. I wish you bad luck again from time to time so that you will be conscious of the role of chance in life and understand that your success is not completely deserved and that the failure of others is not completely deserved either. And when you lose, as you will from time to time, I hope every now and then your opponent will gloat over your failure. It is a way for you to understand the importance of sportsmanship. I hope you'll be ignored so you know the importance of listening to others. And I hope you will have just enough pain to learn compassion. Whether I wish these things or not, they're going to happen. And whether you benefit from them or not will depend upon your ability to see the message in your misfortunes. (laughs) That'll preach. I want you to know, church, that in every moment of your life, you're in a partnership with the Lord. It's not just asking God and praying about something and saying, God, I need you to do this. Like, we need to be praying prayers that, hey, when's the last time you prayed a prayer that you knew was beyond your capacity to accomplish it? When was the last time you prayed something big? God wants us to bring those kinds of prayers, and then he also wants us to partner with them in executing that prayer. Because sometimes the thing we've been praying for requires us to get up off of our rear end and get moving. Sometimes he's going to, well, not sometimes, he's always going to partner with us in growing in our faith and loving this world so that more people will come to know who he is, who Jesus is, who our king is. So you're in a partnership with the Lord in your growth and in impacting this world. And to show you that, I want to show you Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 through 18. Um, This is in the same book, same letter. Paul's telling them this. Therefore, my dear friends, just right after he got done telling them to have the attitude and the mindset of Christ Jesus, he says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Did Did you catch that? I know the band's getting up and it's kind of distracting. Let me read that again. Verse, verse 12, dial in. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out. This is a partnership with the Lord in our endeavor to follow him. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering, On the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. We're called to, let me say it this way. Each one of us, we've had had situations we've come across. We've had struggles that we've been confronted with. We've made some, some decisions that we wish we could have made differently. We wish we could go back and change. All of us have have the the all of the past behind us and all we have right now, if we just take a step and take a, take a moment to just realize all we've got in this life is this moment right here, this moment. 
And this moment forward, what I believe Paul is calling us to do, in a, in a mere sentence, I believe he's calling each one of us, is to do this, is to take responsibility for your own life. Take responsibility for your own life. Because too many times we blame other people, we blame the culture, we blame society, we blame people who are in power, we, we blame our past self, we beat ourselves up. But, but here's the thing, God sees you and knows you and loves you, called you out of darkness to be in his light and he's also walking with you because he knows that you are capable of so much more. He knows that what, what he's calling you to do is maybe not exactly what you thought he was gonna call you to do, but he's gonna be with you through it. Take responsibility for your own growth. Take responsibility for how you relate to other people, regardless of how they relate to you. Take responsibility of, oh, you see a problem? Go fix it. You see a problem? Try and work to solve it. Too many times we, we kind of get into this funk, as adults especially, where, where we sit back, we put our feet up in our lazy boy, we turn on the TV, and then we are fed just negativity after negativity after negativity. And I don't know about you, but when we're just sitting in that, we're oftentimes robbed of the agency that we have in our own lives. Young people, what I just said is that we're robbed of the ability or the, the realization that we can change things. If you don't like something about your life or about what, what situation you're in, stand up straight. Call on God to help you and take steps to change, to move forward. Paul's saying you don't have to grumble anymore. You're growing in love with knowledge and every kind of discernment. You don't have to be who you've always been. Jesus has life-changing power if you would just go ahead and grab it. He wants to do something in you and through you far more than you believe you're capable of. So you gotta get out of your comfort zone if you wanna follow him. You can't just be sitting in what you've always sat in. It's getting a little funky anyway. You gotta get up, you gotta get moving. You gotta start trusting. Church, the, the first message I gave you was this. Jesus sees you and knows you, and yet he per still pursues you. He sees you, he knows what you've been through, he knows where you've been, he knows where you're going, he knows the things you think, he knows the ways that you've been thinking about other people and, and how you made those mistakes and all those things, and he knows all that. And yet he still pursues you. Kids, there's nothing in life that you can do that will be able to separate you from the love of God. Nothing. You always go to him. When you sin, when you do something messed up, like you mess up, you don't need to run away from God. Go after him. He's there willing to receive you. And, and adults, that's true for you too. It's true for you too. I know like we're, we're adults and we're like, you know, I'm a man, you know? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a woman, I, I can, I'm an adult, you know? I can adult, adulting, yay. I'm a grandparent, whatever it is. You know, like I know how to live this life. Have some vulnerability with your father. It'll be good for you. Get vulnerable with him. Get, 
Get emotional with him. Let him know what you're struggling with. And, and understand, like, all of us need the love of the Father. All of us. No matter how old we get. My first message to you was Jesus sees you and knows you, and yet he still pursues you. My, my message to you that I want to leave with you today is this. Keep loving others like Jesus continuously loves you. You have everything that you need to do everything that God's calling you to do because he's with you. Keep loving others like Jesus continuously loves you. Y'all, be the person who will listen to that person who never feels heard. Be the person who will see that person who never felt seen. Be the person who will kindly call someone to strength and truth. Be the person who will see people with eyes of faith where you can see what God wants to do in them and through them. You don't just see them as they are now, but you see them with the eyes of faith of their potential in God. Be the person who tells them, I love you, and really means it. Fellas, we can say that to each other in a brotherly love kind of way, in an agape love kind of way. I know a lot of us fellas are those silent sufferers just trying to go about life on our own, just, just trying to get through, just trying to take another step. Just trying to hold it all together, trying to be the best we can be. And yeah, we're alone. Like, yeah, we got family, but we don't have a, we haven't opened ourselves up to have brothers in life to lock arms with. It starts with just taking a step. It just it starts with saying, hey, let's get together, let's go do something. Just, just getting outside of that comfort zone. Be the person who tells them I love you and mean it. And, and, and remember, we get to do that because Jesus, after all, we listen to others because Jesus is always listening to us. After all, Jesus is always the one who sees us even when we don't feel seen. Jesus is the one who calls us to strength and truth every day of our lives. Jesus is the one who sees us with eyes of faith. He knows who you could be if you just say yes to him. He knows who you could be if you just keep saying yes, no matter how old you get, no matter how young you are. He knows that what you can do is greater than what you believe you can do because he's in it with you. After all, Jesus is the one who didn't just say, I love you, but y'all, he proved it on the cross. He proved it in the resurrection. He proved it in the fact that he came down and looked at each one of us who were enemies of God and said, I love you. No matter how many times you've hurt me, no matter how many times you've abandoned me, no matter how many times you've turned your back on me, I love you and I'm willing to prove it. And he did. So we are to love others like Jesus continuously loves us. Amen? Church, um, thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. <laughs> thank you for allowing me to be a part of your lives. 
Thank you for loving me and loving my family. Being willing to listen to my antics. Sometimes even a song. I pray not only all those things for you, but I pray that I've loved you well. And I pray that I have. I've tried and I know I've not been perfect, far from it. I know there's probably been times when I made some decisions that you didn't agree with or you know, me and the elders and the staff and you know, we had to go through COVID together, yeehaw. But it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. And I'm really grateful for all of you. So church, keep loving others like Jesus continuously loves you. You are standing or you are sitting here as a person who is fully loved and fully adored. You have everything that you need to, to do everything that God has called you to do. So listen to him, lean into him. Love them well. Love those who are around you well. People are hurting in this world. And we're called to be agents of change, to be light in the darkness. Take that seriously, y'all. Take it seriously. Stand up straight wherever you go. Smile at people. Look them in the eye. You're a soldier of King Jesus. And the weapon you wield is love. Is love that's rooted in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Read your Bible, pray, love others well. And I believe that the impact that God wants to make through this church, it'll happen when we do that. Church, would you stand? We're gonna pray together. King Jesus, we bow our lives to you, not just our bodies, not just our minds, not just our hearts or our, our affections or our will. We bow everything we've got to your rule and reign. King Jesus, thank you for being faithful to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing our worth even when we didn't see our own worth. Thank you for every time we feel hurt, you're there. Thank you for always being there. No matter what the depths of the mess that we've found ourselves in, that we've caused, that we've done, or that others have done to us, thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for never running away from it. Never running away from us when we were we were hurt and we were struggling and we were tired and we just didn't care. Thank you for loving us even then. Thank you for being so patient with us that all of us have gotten to this point in our lives as the oldest we've ever been. And you've been patient with us up to this point and, and there's so much more that you wanna do in us, so much more that you wanna do through us, so much more that you want us to bring about in our communal lives as a church King Jesus, please help us to be obedient to you. Holy Spirit, please have your way in us. 
God, may 2024 be a year where our lives are completely changed. No matter how far we've come up to this point, please grow us and do a work in us and help us to take responsibility for our part in that. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name. Hear us as we sing in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.